Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome one, welcome all. It is volume nine of the NFC East Mixtape presented to you in partnership by Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's top two communities, top two websites, top two personalities perhaps. I'm RJ Ochoa, but number one in your hearts, number one in your minds, number one on your eyes. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, Brandon mm-hmm. Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation, BLG, what up? RJ, I feel bad because we missed something. When we did our all NFC East teams, you know, the past couple of weeks, we did the offense, we did the defense, we did special teams, head coach and GM last week. But we forgot the most important thing, which is which is the best NFC East SB Nation vlog. And I mm. think it's fair to say, if you're just looking at traffic numbers and you're looking at podcast numbers and longevity and all of it, I mean, it's not even a question. It's bleeding green nation. That's fair. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem being fair. In, in in terms of evaluating everything here, um, that's fair. That's really all I can say to that. I mean, I'm, uh, Bleeding Green Nation's awesome. Good good for Bleeding Green Nation. I mean, who who doesn't love BGN or BGN Radio? Honestly, I mean, who who out there could possibly hate you guys? Who who would dare to hate y'all? No one. That's that's we're just 100 approval rating, which is really rare, but it's good to see. And uh, yeah, so I thought I should just award that to myself. And to all of us, part of BGN and other people listening, because we couldn't do it without them. And with that, I feel like we've officially wrapped up our all NFCs discussion. So there we go. So uh, briefly on the subject of the loyal listener, the loyal viewer, the loyal reader, the loyal commenter, uh, we appreciate everybody who subscribes to our podcast networks. This is a unique show in that it lives in two separate places. So make sure you subscribe to both the Blog of the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation podcast networks, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple devices, Spotify, wherever. Uh, Make sure you leave a rating on both, five-star rating on both. You can write whatever you want, leave a review, and you can be as honest as you want to, as long as you leave a five-star rev- uh, review. And BLG, we do have a new review on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. It comes to us from Skeletor P. Funk. Uh, this, came yeah. last, this came last Friday. Uh, the title is Mixtape with an exclamation point. So somebody is invigorated by our conversations. Five-star review, so following all the instructions so far. And it reads as follows. The mixtape is such an awesome idea. It shouldn't work, and yet it really does. BLG and RJ are an awesome pair. Really enjoying the show. I hate the Cowboys, but I have to put RJ in the same begrudging respect category as Dak and Emmett Smith. Look at me, BLG, and the company that I'm keeping all of a sudden. Dak Prescott and Emmett Smith and RJ Ochoa. Bam. First off, big shout out to Skeletor. Uh, submitted a question to our mailbag on the BGN Radio podcast episode, uh, most recent one. So, loyal listener, clearly. And I did the same Skeletor noise that I did when he asked the question or Jimmy posed the question to me. So shout out to me for doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, RJ. You really are beloved by Eagles fans, which is a place, honestly, I hope I never get to with Cowboys fans. I don't want Cowboys fans to be writing reviews thinking like they like me or something. That's mm-hmm. that's not my goal here. I don't want to be liked by them. Well, see, that's where we're different, BLG, is um, I can I can cross boundaries, right? Like I I can I can you know venture into enemy territory. I can break bread, and that's that's the thing. Like if if we were in times of war, you know what I mean, and 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 somebody needed to go across enemy lines, and like, hey, we need you to, to talk to the king or talk to you know the general or whatever. Like I'm the guy, you know what I mean? I show up, hey, how y'all doing? You know, and then we we come to terms on a peaceful treaty. And I basically save the world. So you're welcome, BLG, for uh, uniting two of the more volatile communities in the world in Cowboys fans and Eagles fans. Of course, though, secretly, this is easy for you because you are an Eagles fan deep down. You just don't know it or realize it yet. But with me, it kind of just I can't deny, you know, the Cowboys hatred that I have. So mm. I kind of want to be the villain here. And uh, if more people I think, see, it's it's 
two. So we're in a part of a season and a part where the Eagles are just not good enough, where I can't really like lean into that as much as I really ideally want to. But once the Eagles eventually, maybe one day, get good again, and uh, the Cowboys, or even if not, the Eagles are good. But even if the Cowboys just like you know uh, underwhelm this season, then mm-hmm. that's when people are really going to start hating me. Yeah, uh, BLG has really fallen off in terms of care. It's really annoying, actually. Like he doesn't bite on any trolls. Uh, that I try to pull off, which is, like I said, really annoying. Um, I couldn't remember the first time I ever trolled you, BLG. Can you? Uh, no. Let's hear Okay. It. So uh, a few years ago, uh, three years ago now, our friends, our partners at Breaking Tea had a shirt design for Amari Cooper okay. uh, after yep. he was traded uh, for by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and, and the shirt said uh, some some derivative of worth a first or worth a first mm-hmm. rounder. That was the, the shirt. Uh, BLG poked fun at it. Um, and then when Amari Cooper had the walk-off game-winning touchdown mm. against the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I so I so gently reminded him of that uh, on Twitter.com, which you know is topical, BLG, because today we're going to be going back to the 2018 season a lot, kind of. Uh, really, m- you know, the majority of this episode will be spent kind of looking back at some what ifs. There, that is the premise for today's episode of the mixtape: what ifs associated with. All four teams in the NFC East, although a little bit of a heavier emphasis on the Cowboys and the Eagles. Although I do think, and I know you agree, uh, that they intersect throughout the division quite well. Uh, this was inspired by me. The big show for you and me. Lots of compliments coming our way, uh, mm. both you know from ourselves, really. But Both, yeah, uh, giving, yes. <laughs> Self-complimenting. Uh, uh, but last week, when we were finishing, rounding out the all-NFC East team, save for the uh, all-NFC NFC East SB Nation block, um, you know, I asked you, what if Josh McDaniels doesn't spurn the Indianapolis Colts. And to kind of set the stage here, it's January of 2018, February 2018, the Philadelphia Eagles win Super Bowl 52. Congratulations. Um, and Josh McDaniels has decided to become the Indianapolis head Colts, or Indianapolis head Colts, Indianapolis Colts head coach after long being in the running after his venture in Denver failed almost a decade before, actually over a decade before. Um, you know, I don't know, whenever that was. But either way, um, Josh McDaniels pulls out. Everybody gets pissed off. Nobody knows what to do in Indianapolis. He's already filled out a staff, which, by the way, included poaching Matt Eberflus from the Cowboys defensive staff. And Frank Wright gets the job. And fast forward, here we are. Now Nick Sirianni is the Eagles head coach, incidentally hired by Frank Reich in Indianapolis. But I put it to you, BLG, to kick things off here. What if Josh McDaniels had just taken the job? Frank Reich would have been the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator in 2018. Uh, what did you say the Eagles did in February 2018 again? The, uh, the you know what they did. There. You know what they did. And I, I have actually, you know, one of the first appearances I did on BGN Radio was with Kist, who now is just, you know, Kist is all over the place. And, you know, he's on every, you know, show, whatever. Uh, but I told Kist then, and every Eagles fan then, that they should enjoy it they should rub it in everybody's faces that the Eagles, like that's mm. the whole point the whole point of doing this and rooting is so that when you win nobody else does in fact i will tell i've told you this before blg one of my favorite posts that anyone has ever done on any sb nation website yeah was you wrote an article that was like here are the 31 teams that lo- that did not win the super bowl and the the teams that did win the super bowl this past year and it was it was really funny but like that's the stuff that you should do when your team wins the Super Bowl. So fine, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Let's move on with the episode. Yeah, okay. So the question is, you know, what if Josh McDaniels stays in Indianapolis? Stays is a weird word because was he ever really there? But let's right. say he actually goes to in Indianapolis and Frank Reich is the Eagles offensive coordinator for the 2018 season. Uh, we touched on this a little bit in last week's episode. I don't know that it changes everything because a big reason why the Eagles kind of floundered early on, I believe, in 2018, is because Carson Wentz wasn't, like, right physically. Like, beyond, you know, his psyche, which was part of an issue, maybe, too, because Nick Foles had just won the Super Bowl. I mean, Carson Wentz admitted that, you know, Foles winning the Super Bowl was hard on him. Um, But I will say that uh, having Frank Reich there, like, the biggest thing to me, RJ, the biggest problem I had with Frank Reich and John Filippo leaving, like, is... You're not going to be able to keep everyone. Like that's just right. how the NFL works. So like, you have a good assistant, they're going to get hired. Like so, what do you do to adjust? You know, like what is the next step? When the Eagles hired Frank Reich and Doug Peterson and John DiFilippo in 2016, there was this big point of emphasis as an organization. Like this wasn't just one person. This was like Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner. All these guys were talking about how important it was they hired 
three former quarterbacks in Doug, Frank, and John. And guys, factory, right? It was the yeah before the quarterback factory was even a thing. (laughs) You had the organization talking about how important that was. But then the Eagles win a Super Bowl. And the Eagles' course of action is to promote Mike Groh, who had been, in fairness, had done a great job as the Eagles wide receivers coach, but had a bad track record as like a pass game coordinator. He was like passing game coordinator for the 2016 Rams, RJ, who were like terrible. Like that was Jared Goff's rookie season when he was terrible and Jeff Fisher was still coaching. And they also um, promoted Press Taylor to quarterbacks coach. Like the point being, they just kind of made these automatic internal promotions instead of looking outside the organization and trying to hire the best person for the job. So that's always what really bothers me about the Frank Reich thing. But the best person was him, right? So like, if he's there, like it's like, I get what you're saying. They're like, it's, it's not fair to say like everything is hunky dory. Everything's perfect, but everything is as perfect as it can seemingly be. Is it not when Carson Wentz is again, seemingly at his most fragile state. I know that last year's version of Carson Wentz was incredibly broken, but I think you mentioned the word psyche. If if at any point his psyche, and it certainly was, was fragile, it was that year, right? Like that was the year where nurturing was needed more than ever and would have gone a long way, obviously, towards the development that he would have conceivably had in 2019 and 2020, perhaps. So the dynamic was that like Frank Reich was the good cop and John D. Filippo was the bad cop. And I think Carson Wentz hasn't had enough bad cops. So even sure. if you're keeping Frank Reich, though, you're losing John DeFilippo. Like he's like, there's no way you're keeping him because he's going to become the Vikings offensive coordinator. Right. And you just can't block that. Like that can't be blocked or it can. Wait, no, it can't be um, because he was a position coach at the time. Um, so I think that's a big deal. Like not having that dynamic. Maybe like you can't just have someone who like only plays good cop to Carson Wentz because that's how it was with press taylor like that's who he was known as he was known as carson Wentz's buddy but there was no one that was able to come in and kind of have the tough love maybe frank reich can kind of toe that line a little bit better and kind of lean over to that side when he needs to i don't know everything we heard of was like flip was that guy but also we heard that carson Wentz didn't really like flip and didn't want him back and didn't want him around so like i don't even know how long that was going to last anyway like i think people think Mm. frank reich is this like magical solution to the eagles problems and i think he is part of it. I think the offense in 2018 could have been better if he stayed, but I just don't think it fixes everything. I think Carson Wentz, especially in hindsight now, is like looking like the ultimate problem there. Although, you know, Nick Foles comes in later that year, mm-hmm. and maybe the offense is even better with him and Frank right there. I guess you can say that, but I don't know. I mean, to to live down that you know uh, avenue of the rabbit hole. So the Eagles obviously beat the Bears in the double joint game. I mean, we're talking about the Eagles' two playoff games here with Nick Foles put up 16 and 14 points, which isn't like the ultimate measurement, but still. I mean, conceivably, again, this is all hypothetical. The Eagles' offense is better, even with Nick Foles at quarterback, or especially with Nick Foles at quarterback, I guess, if Frank Reich is the one coordinating the offense. And so they beat the Bears, although you can argue that they shouldn't have, but they still do. I mean, I think it's fair to say they potentially beat the Saints, right? And if, if they beat the Saints... And they get because, I mean, they lose 20 to 14 if they beat the Saints that that what if is really fascinating because then, you know, you you never get the pass interference situation, by the way, Mm -hmm. with the Saints and the Rams, uh, which was a whole different thing. But then you're talking about an Eagles team that has now been to back to back NFC title games, even if they lose, obviously, to the Rams, which they probably would have at that point, because that Ram that was like the peak of the Jared Goff Rams, at least. But um, but still, even if they lose that, I also think that maybe it's even more difficult to go back to Carson in 2019 if Foles has gotten you to the NFC title game in 2018, the year after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, no question. Like if, I mean, just even making the NFC championship game for two years in a row with like, right. it's like, there. I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I was, I was at a point, RJ, I remember early in that game, I was texting my friend, uh, Jack at the time. And shout out to Jack. Shout out to Jack Fritz. He's a producer at WIP. Used to be on BGN Radio. Um, we were talking about how, like, early in that Saints game, both of us, like, not the biggest Nick Foles guys in terms of believing in him as, like, a long-term starter. I obviously appreciate what he did in terms of the Super Bowl, but we've never been, like, Nick Foles should be the starter because, like, we because we see the downside, too. Everyone likes to look at what Nick Foles can do good here, and that makes sense. But, like, that's not the only picture of Nick Like, that doesn't – that that alone, his eyes do not paint the entire picture of Nick Foles. Like, he is really, really low lows, as we've seen – since then um but yeah at the time 
when the Eagles were up and like we both thought they're going to be the Saints. I think we had both both reached a point where they were like, you just have to you have to roll with Foles. Like he's the starter now. Like you, you just have to move on from Carson Wentz. All right. Well, I mean, if if they win that game, which is I think we certainly think that it's definitely more likely, at least with Frank Reich at offensive coordinator in this moment, this hypothetical, he's what five and zero as as the Eagles starter in the well, not five and zero because they they lost the Saints right in twenty thirteen in the wild card right. round. So he's but, what, he's five and one though, at least at that point. And as many people would remind you, RJ Foles left the field with the lead in that Saints game. Ooh. The defense blew it. Okay, well, so still, I mean, even if you count that one game. He's mm-hmm. five and one, and in that moment, he's five and zero oh over the previous two seasons. Having obviously, you know, I mean, that's so the, I mean, maybe Carson Wentz is traded earlier, and so and actually, if we play this out, this this you know, because this hypothetical has the what if Carson Wentz is awesome with Frank Reich returning, or like you just brought up, what if Nick Foles is even more awesome in twenty eighteen? If even if the Eagles get blown out in the NFC title game, but to your point, they win in the divisional round in New Orleans, and at that point, you have to roll with Foles. I agree with you completely, hundred percent. There's no way that Carson gets the extension in the fall of 2019, right? Like, so what happens there? Like, that's really fascinating to consider too. And like, I'm trying to remember who was quarterback needy in 2019. Um, I mean, he he obviously is in a cult right now because at the well, that was also. I mm-hmm. believe the off season that Andrew Luck retired to to fully make this Colts, but still, I mean, he's True. definitely not a Colt right now. If that happens, and I think the Eagles move on from him at least in in twenty in the twenty nineteen off season. Uh, you might be able to say like the Raiders. I think Gruden has always seemed like a big Carson Wentz guy. Maybe that's mm. just going back to the QB camp thing of it all. But like maybe you know they really and obviously you know for now. Um, Derek Carr is still there, but maybe like he gets the chance to jump at Wentz. And maybe he does it, and the Eagles get like I don't know, at least like maybe two first round picks instead of a kind of a fake or not a full guaranteed first round pick, which they did get potentially for Carson Wentz based on it's a conditional second round pick, obviously. Yeah, and his might, his trade value then is higher, much higher than it, oh, yeah. it was this past off season. To, you know, to that point too. Sure. Yeah, I mean he's coming off; he's one year removed at that point from an MVP season, and then you're justifying any struggles he had as he was hurt. You know, he wasn't even fully healthy coming off the ACL, as opposed to he's coming off a season where he was fully healthy heading into 2020. Uh, other than the concussion, you know, he ended at, but that was, you know, far removed from the playoffs and the end of the season and was literally the worst starting quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a team. Okay. I, I have a team that I'm going to throw out as a potential because to be clear here, because I know we've kind of, this is a little bit tough to follow. The hypothetical that we're talking about here is what if Frank Reich is the Eagles offensive coordinator in 2018 Carson Wentz still gets hurt, still is really bad. That's just Carson. Maybe there's not enough bad cop. Maybe all the good cop there exacerbates Mm -hmm. the issues a little bit earlier. Uh, Nick Foles comes in, but because of Frank Reich's presence is even better. The Eagles beat the Saints. They get to the NFC title game the second in a row. They lose. Now it's early 2019. Carson Wentz is clearly somebody who you have to move on from. What about the Miami Dolphins? Who that offseason, I'll remind you, had signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. And traded for Josh Rosen when the Arizona Cardinals took Kyler Murray, uh, big Dallas Cowboys fan, Kyler Murray, by the way, uh, took Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. But Miami, who's certainly not shy or, or, you know, Miami has an extensive history of trading with the Eagles in recent memory. I mean, Mm. that is very possible that they prefer Carson Wentz. You know, because at that point, too, like even now, people are like, man, Carson Wentz played at an MVP level in 2017. At that point, you're even, you know, less removed from it as, as you are now. I think it's possible that that's where Carson ends up is in Miami. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Howie Roseman does have a close relationship with Mike Tannenbaum, who was fired in December, uh, late December 2018. But maybe Tannenbaum keeps his job, is like able to save it because there's like talks in the in the works like, mm. hey. Like, hey, you know, like, look, you know, let me take a chance on Carson Wentz. Like, I can save us. Like, I have a plan in place. Um, probably not. But but maybe that's the sell, uh, the desperate plea he, he does to save his job. Carson Wentz in Miami, does that work? Hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I think not all of why Carson Wentz has struggled, but, like, definitely not the most natural fit in Philadelphia. Coming from North Dakota, like, small market, um, and just, like, the entitlement he has. A lot of people think like Indianapolis is going to be a better fit for him, like returning to like the Midwest, that kind of environment. Like, does Carson Wentz work in Miami? I don't know. I mean, 
whether whether he does doesn't matter. Who cares if he does? You know, like yeah. if, if you get rid of him and you have Nick Foles, I mean, that's that's the most important thing here. But um, does Nick Foles work too? Like I, that's because we've seen how bad he's been. But it's weird because like he's just he he's wasn't always bad somehow... though. Because remember, he he does leave right the following offseason to Jacksonville, and then you talk yeah. about leaving the field with the lead. He left that Week One game against Kansas City getting hurt, and then the Gardner Minshew stuff happened. You know, I'm, yeah, again, I'm, I'm not saying he's like amazing, but still like he my point is he didn't get he hardly got a fair shake once he mm-hmm. left Philadelphia. He got Benz for Gardner Minshew and Mitchell Trubisky. Like that's the reality of it. Sure. But still, but if you're an Eagles fan, you I think you get to where you are now currently where like the rebuild has begun at the quarterback position earlier. You know what I mean? Which is mm-hmm. better. Um, and, and that this route that we've kind of crafted is less painful to me. Than, than what has actually happened to the Eagles over the course of the last like three or so years. I agree with what you're saying in terms of, though, there's a reset button there. Like, I think in people's minds, it's like, if we just could have kept Frank Reich, if we just could have kept Nick Foles. I think mm-hmm. the reality is that, like, I think people think of that as this, like, glorious alternative, like, path to, like, multiple championships or whatever. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's kind of ending up at the same place they are now or similar, but like you said, maybe sooner, which could have been better. The um the last two sectors of this that are interesting are if Frank Reich never goes to Indianapolis, who knows where he ends up? And we'll revisit this. Put a bookmark in this part. Uh, maybe Frank Reich is a head coaching candidate in 2019, you know, as opposed to the loan opportunity he had in, tw- in after the 2018 season or no, after mm-hmm. the 2017 season that he took in Indianapolis. But so maybe his part there is delayed a year. Uh, but if he's never in Indianapolis, does Nick Sirianni ever end up in a position to become the Eagles head coach currently? And all that being said, I mean, even if there's a reset involved, again, I do, and I think you agree, the hypothetical would be less painful, less ugly than what actually played itself out. So it's possible that even though the reset is happening, that Doug Peterson is still the Eagles head coach, maybe instead of Nick Sirianni or whoever else the other candidate would have been. So what's the question? I guess the question is, if Frank Reich doesn't go to Indianapolis, who do you think is the Eagles head coach now? I know that's kind of an impossible question to answer, mm-hmm. but that's the that's the question. I don't know that it is Doug Peterson still, because I think what we saw is that the Eagles were never really like dying to keep Doug Peterson as their head coach. I mean, like, look at the look what happened. Like, when they won a Super Bowl. The only Philadelphia Eagles head coach to do that. They only missed the playoffs last year in 2020, and he was gone. Like the first moment they could get rid of him. As I have said before, uh, RJ, maybe not here, but on BGN, the Eagles actually gave weight to firing Doug Peterson after the 2016 season, his very first season. I mean, we all know that they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo instead. Like that was like Doug Peterson was not even close to being their first choice. So I don't know that Doug is really around. Um, Like they were going to get rid of him. It seemed like always the first time, the first sign of like struggling, not making the playoffs, the first opportunity they realistically could, they would move on from him. Interesting. Well, then if, if it wasn't Nick Sirianni now, if we assume that he wouldn't have had the opportunity that Frank Wright gave him in 2020 or 2020, yeah, 2020 with the Indianapolis Colts, who is maybe then the Eagles head coach now, if you're assuming it's not Doug Peterson. Yeah, um, uh, maybe it's uh, Eric Bieniemy. Maybe yeah, I um, that maybe, seems possible. Maybe it's Josh McDaniels because Ooh. the Eagles, you know, there was talk they wanted to hire him. This it came down to seemingly came down to McDaniels and Sirianni this off season. Um, it was at a point where I had like a post prepped on BGN. And everything hearing in back channels where that like McDaniels was pretty strong favorite to be the guy. By so the way, though, it, it can't be him if we're playing the, out the hypothetical okay. that he's the Indianapolis Colts head coach. Okay. Fair, although maybe true. although maybe he doesn't last as long in the Andrew Luck fallout as Frank Reich did, um, which is the difference again between him and Frank Reich. But uh, maybe it's Kellen Moore. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like that, it's truly a, an open question because it, there's so many what ifs associated with that. Um, I enjoyed this hypothetical. I really, and I think it's educational because it does, to your point, yield the conclusion that this was inevitable for the Eagles. Like there, there is, there is, or was, or never was 
any path where it was just going to be glorious for a decade. That was never going to be the case. And that is mostly driven by, and I hate to like continually bag on him, but Carson Wentz's narcissism. Cause that was the true, that's, that's the most common denominator where all the problems. Yeah. Are. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think that's more clear now, obviously than it was. I mean, I think things could have been better. Obviously. I think the personnel decisions have been really bad. If Howie Rosman like did a better job, then, you know, there's a brighter future than it is right now. But I think it kind of comes to like, it was never going to be this dynasty of a run, um, which is a big problem that I have with Howie Roseman and you picking him as the NFC's <sighs> general manager. Okay. General manager. Look, um, my Cowboys what if is in the same time frame as this. I went a little bit deep. In fact, when I showed it to BLG, he was kind of stunned at how deep I went, I guess is the best way to put it. But um, so in order to do that, we have to take a break. So nobody go anywhere. We're going to take a very quick break to hear word from our sponsors. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome back. It is the NFC's mixtape. He is BLG. Howie Roseman declined comment uh, from us to answer who would have been the Philadelphia Eagles head coach if uh, Frank Reich had never left. I can't imagine why Howie would not want to answer that question, BLG. I, you know, it's hard to say. (laughs) Um, So uh, the Cowboys, what if? I know you're going to enjoy this, but you actually helped inspire this. um, I don't know when it was, but whenever we were talking about it was right after Alex Smith retired, actually. You said on the Oddcast, which you host on the Espionation NFL show with Rob Stats Guerrera, um, something that I had thought about before, and that is what if Alex Smith never gets hurt? And obviously, there's yeah. a lot to that. But if he doesn't get hurt, because at the time he does during the 2018 season, the Washington football team is leading the NFC East. And it's very conceivable that they win that outright. I mean, and that that would have maybe been their most authentic division title, at least in my eyes, in some time, because they obviously won it in uh, this past season. But Dak Prescott was hurt, so it's hard to really kind of like consider that real. And again, in my eyes, uh, and a lot of Cowboys fans' eyes, and the same thing in 2015 when they last won it, Tony Romo was hurt. So you know, like you're one of your biggest rivals and biggest threats is is you know withered. But anyway, um, so my situation my hypothetical involves washington to a degree blg i don't know if you remember this uh but lp laduser who the cowboys moved on from this offseason allegedly because they don't want to see him break jason witten's record uh for most games played by dallas cowboy one of the most reliable long snappers in literally nfl history um was called for a snap infraction which you know just left everybody aghast i mean nobody understood what happened but whatever uh called for a snap infraction this is week seven of the 2018 season at the time again the cowboys are in washington they are three and three having come off of a big performance against the jacksonville jaguars the week before they were struggling to kind of fully paint the picture to that point they opened their season with a loss then a win then a loss then a win then a loss at houston where jason garrett punted in overtime which was embarrassing and then won so it'd been really 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 rocky uh so it's week seven Snap infraction as the Cowboys are looking to tie the game with a Brett Maher 47-yard field goal. Brett Maher uh, in that season was not terrible. Uh, his first year replacing Dan Bailey. It didn't really get bad till the following year. But anyway, uh, LP's call for the snap infraction. Team moves back five yards. Brett Maher's kick hits the upright. Uh, the Cowboys lose 17-20. to 20. My hypothetical for you, BLG, is what if he makes that field goal, whether it's off this non-snap infraction or whatever, Maybe the game, or not maybe, the game is tied. Let's just say the Cowboys win in overtime. And if they do win in overtime, BLG, that puts them at four and three as opposed to three and four, which, as you know, like can dramatically affect the way a team is viewed in the middle of the season. So the Cowboys are four and three. They actually stayed in our nation's capital for another day because they began their bye week uh, right after that. They went in, uh, had some team bonding exercises. But that very next day, BLG, literally the very next day, the Monday after, October 22nd, 2018, they traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. And so my first question to you is, if they win that game, do they trade for him? 
because it, it felt like a desperation move at the time. It really did. And that's why I think, you know, some people, <laughs> nameless, were uh, skeptical of that trade. I, I honestly don't think they do because I think the Cowboys, just based on my understanding of them, and, you, you know, you know them better than me, but I feel like they, when, like, things are kind of going right for them, they're not like, hey, necessarily, let's even add more, although you could say the, the C.D. Lamb thing, but that's a little different because, you know, it's just a draft pick. This is trading one mm-hmm. and a first-round pick at that for a player who had been kind of underachieving relatively in Oakland. Still, yes, still Oakland at the time. And Amari Cooper. So I don't know that they do. Although I remember at the time, I guess there was a lot of consternation about like who the Cowboys receivers were. I mean, who was it? That was it like that was like Terrence Williams still back then. So it's in, the important context is this was the first year without Des Bryant. They had moved on from Des in the offseason. Uh, they decided to go at things with a wide receiver by committee repro- uh, approach uh, was how they termed it. Uh, yes, Terrence was there. Michael Gallup was a rookie. A lot of people were excited about him for understandable reasons. Cole Beasley was still around. Um, Deontay Thompson. Ooh, that's who I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah. Tavon, Tavon Austin. Um, mm. And in fact, the week before this game that we're talking about, um, which was week six, when they, they blew the doors off the Jaguars, uh, they won 40 to seven. And again, not exactly something to brag about beating this particular Jaguars team. But I remember BLG in the tunnel uh, walking by, you know, Tyrone Crawford, who retired this offseason. Um, I actually caught this on video and I tweeted it out. He looked at all the reporters standing and he went, stop talking about our offense because they won 40 to seven. And it was like, dude, you beat the Jaguars. Like, and you know, and, and like it was not exactly something to be pumped about. But that day, Cole Beasley became the first 100 yard receiver that the Cowboys had on the season in week six. So it was really this like, man, the wide receiver by committee thing is not working, which is why the rumors about Amari were really percolating. And then I do think the loss was the like straw that broke the camel's back. But to that point, I do think if they had and, and not only did Tyron Crawford say that after they won, I don't know if you remember this BLG. But after they beat the Jaguars, Jerry Jones hinted on local radio, 105.3 The Fan, that following week that he was thinking about extending Jason Garrett and his contract. Mm. Uh, And everybody freaked out, like, what are you doing? Like, just because you beat the Jaguars, that's no reason to do this, whatever. My point with that, though, is like, when you win... It, it dramatically shifts the way you view your team, right? Like, and if the Cowboys win this game, it would have been the first time all season that they would have won two games in a row. They would have been four and three, and they would have been entering their bye week. And they would have felt like, okay, we got back on track. We're above 500. Let's just get the bye to get settled in. And for what it's worth, this was October 22nd. Like I said, the trade deadline that year was October 30th. So it's not like you can say like, oh, they because they did lose their next game, which was their first one with Amari. Uh, but that mm-hmm. that came on November 5th after the bye. Uh, that was a Monday night game against Tennessee. So th- that the decision would have already been made at that point. I don't think that they trade for him. I really don't because I think that they fool themselves into, into, or into this, like they lull themselves into this false sense of security. Like everything's fine. Everything's good. And I think that they start to really believe in Jason Garrett in that moment too. Teams definitely like to do that. I've seen it with the Eagles in terms of like the Super Bowl, just like the the run that gave so many players after the fact, you know, like we're bringing Jason Peters back every year. We're bringing, you know, like like they just relied on too many. And Harry Roseman admitted it. He admitted like he's been too sentimental. And I think, you know, it's not like the Cowboys achieved some great success just because they beat the Jaguars. But like, okay, they're like, okay, things are turning. We don't make need to make a desperate trade. We, right. We're, we're going to be just fine. Like, we can keep everything like it is. Why do anything? Like, everything is working. Let's keep it status quo. I feel like that's the 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 like the course they would have gone at that point. Well, so then after I mentioned they lost their first game with Amari, which was a Monday night game against Tennessee. But after that, and and they were things were bad because they were three and five. Everybody wrote them off. And I remember we do a show on the blog and the boys podcast network with Tony Casillas, who won two Super Bowls with the Cowboys in the nineties. And I remember at that time, Tony and I looked at the upcoming five games and we said, they are not going to win a single one of these. Um, They're going to go, they're going to fall to three and 10 and it's going to be really bad. They traded this pick Amari, blah, blah, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they won all five of them, which as mentioned earlier, they swept the Eagles Amari in that time frame. The first game, which was at Philly, that was the big Leighton Vanderish game. Also, uh, it's only six catches, 75 yards. Then the following week in Atlanta, which Dallas won on a last second field goal, mind you, uh, only three catches for 36 yards. 
but then on Thanksgiving blew up eight catches, a buck, 82 touchdowns. Uh, then the Cowboys beat the saints on Thursday night. And that really kind of let the world know that they were legit. Uh, he, he caught all eight receptions for 76 yards. And then the second Philly game, 10 catches, 217 yards and three touchdowns. And that five game winning streak, because that that was kind of the beginning, if we look back, of the NFC East falling into this rut that it's currently in. Not that it was great, but like it went from just being an average division to like a total dumpster fire. And so the Cowboys, just by winning those five games, put themselves in a position where they just had to win one more to win the NFC East, especially because they swept the Eagles, who were doing their own thing at the time, uh, as we mentioned. And so they wound up winning the NFC East and they beat the Seahawks in the playoffs because Carroll doesn't know that Russell Wilson's good at throwing uh, the mm -hmm. football. So my overall point here to kind of get to something quickly is that I, without Amari, there's no way they rip off those five games in a row. And I think that they may, I don't know that they end up like three and 13, but I think that they are a disaster. And I think that, you know, it, it probably affects the way Dak Prescott's viewed right now too. Yeah. That's a, like, I, I just remember that trade and, and thinking and obviously hoping and rooting for like the downside of it because obviously it did work out. But like right. if it didn't, it would have been a, kind of a big problem. Like you're mm -hmm. giving up a first round pick for a receiver who it's let's just say like he kind of continued the Oakland path and kind of just like underwhelmed. And like like how high is that pick? That could be pretty high. Like what the Cowboys again were what was their record before the Amari trade? They're like three and five, three they, and four they, or so. They were three and four, which is the mm -hmm. the pivot point that we're talking about. Like maybe they go four and three um yeah. if they win the Washington game. And so yeah, like I, I I think that winning that game could have been the worst possible thing to happen to them. Um the the more interesting thing, like besides the fact that I think they they might have been terrible throughout the rest of the 2018 season, while Nick Foles and Frank Reich were lighting things up for the Eagles, obviously. Um mm is I think that Jason Garrett would have had to have been fired at the end of that season yeah. because it would have been too bad. It would have been too rough. And I don't think that they could have survived, especially because at that point, Dak would have been entering his fourth season. And it, the idea would have been, you have to get somebody in here to take him to the next level. We found out obviously Amari kind of helped do that. Um, so these were the head coaches who got hired in the 2019 cycle BLG. Uh, so this is, you know, January, February, 2019. Uh, incidentally, Matt LaFleur by the Green Bay Packers because they had moved on from Mike McCarthy, who didn't take a job that year, although he did interview for the Jets job. That went to Adam Gase. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury got hired by the Arizona Cardinals because he was Sean McVay's friend. Vic Fangio by the Denver Broncos. The Cleveland Browns promoted Freddie Kitchens to full-time status. Uh, the Miami Dolphins hired Brian Flores, who maybe would have traded for Carson Wentz, as we discussed. And Bruce Arians came out of retirement to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But And I did put this in our notes uh, because I think every Cowboys fan is saying this. Lincoln Riley's stock has dropped a little bit over the last year or so um, at, at Oklahoma, like as it pertains to the NFL. But at the time, it was red hot, especially and at the time he would have been coming off back to back Heisman winning seasons for his quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I legitimately think that if the Cowboys win that game in Washington, that Lincoln Riley is their head coach right now. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's been who they want right if they could have him and getting him not too easy the Eagles wanted him this offseason but I mean obviously why was Lincoln Riley gonna leave Oklahoma to come to the Eagles like not the most attractive situation uh and I just don't think money obviously would have been an issue at all for Jerry Jones and they would have mm -hmm. given Lincoln Riley whatever it took I also want to throw Matt Rule's name in here because if I'm not mistaken I think he also interviewed for the Jets job that offseason that you're right Jets. that year mm -hmm. it's a good point yeah so I mean, he's a pretty – and he was at Baylor. Um, so, you know, he's also very much in the mix too, and that I think could have been a really good hire. Uh, maybe he doesn't get the job over Lincoln Riley, but just another name to consider in the mix. Yeah, I, I just – my overall point here, like the – you know, the fight, like the, the conclusion we drew from the Eagles hypothetical was that the disaster was going to hit at any point, like no matter what, it was inevitable. It just, you could have maybe, there might've been a softer landing there. And I think right. that the same is true for the Cowboys and that Jason Garrett was going to be purged from either in 2018 or 2019. And I mean, it would have like, I think you can argue it would have worked out better for, for the Cowboys if they, if this had happened sooner. Now they would not have Amari Cooper. So maybe, you know, maybe you prefer this this route because it yielded that. And who knows if they trade if they draft CD. I mean, you can play that, you know, to a larger extent. Um, but I think it's very possible that and I mean, because who knows what they do in the first round in 2019, because they would have had a first round pick. 
You know what I mean? Like with, with Lincoln Riley or whoever is their new head coach. Um, but there's definitely no Dak, you know, serious negotiations that offseason because he probably would have been coming off another lowly season, which would have been disappointing. So if we're looking at big picture, something that we hit on both for the Eagles and the Cowboys is that probably better to do it sooner than later. Isn't that what we always say? Like yeah. when people are like making like it's better to fire someone like a year too soon than a year too late. Like that's something that is always said. And I, I always wonder if that phrase is true because it just gets said. But it seems like it kind of is. I mean, at least in this, these cases, which doesn't necessarily prove the rule. But I think there's something to that and maybe could be like valuable and instructive to teams if they were to actually look back on this kind of stuff and be like, hmm, yeah, maybe we should always kind of go for that year uh, too soon than just keep hanging on. Like, you know, what are what are the examples? I guess they're not coming to the top of my mind, but like we just hung on to this guy forever. Maybe the Steelers with Bill Cowher, but like, okay, isn't that kind of the exception? We're like, we're just going to hold on to this guy forever and it's going to work out. Well, so you're talking about it from a coaching perspective. Bill Cowher is actually a really good example, uh, but that is also true from a player perspective, as you well know, and to kind of pivot to a different what if here, um, because everything, this is a really fascinating break point for the NFC East, this 2018 into 2019 season, and the New York Giants kept up with Eli Manning in 2019 for whatever reason. I mean, that at that point, you were already many years too late, but still, you I mean, he played that season. You could have been uh, even one year sooner for Eli Manning would have been impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the 2019 season or 2019 offseason, when perhaps Lincoln Riley. Be- oh, by the way, the last thing I wanted to mention was if uh, if Frank Reich does coordinate a great Eagles offense in 2018 to the point that they get to the NFC championship game. And then it's like really clear how great he is at working with quarterbacks. If the Cowboys are interviewing head coaches in 2019, maybe instead of Lincoln Riley, they say, you know what? Kind of kind of like this offseason, the way people looked at, you know, Kellen Moore, like, wow, what he did for Dak Prescott, he could do for the Eagles. I mean, maybe the Cowboys say, let's get Frank Riken to be our head coach. Uh, you know, that, that's a really interesting wrinkle, I think. And then they trade Dak because he's not good and they acquire Carson <laughs> Wentz. So that's Frank Reich's boy. So then you're, you have to deal with Carson Wentz. Uh, okay. And and anyway, so but to the Giants in 2019. Um Everybody knows they took Daniel Jones, your boy, BLG. You're the only dude who like mildly capes for him. So in 2020, um, you mean? Um, no, in 2019. In 2019, yeah. In 2019, when Daniel Jones was taken. So yeah, I know. I was thinking 2018 still. Okay. No, well, no. My point is, we're in the we're in January, February of 2019 at this point. Okay. And so the Giants are leading up to the draft. Um, obviously, again, Kyler Murray goes one, which is why the Lincoln Riley thing. Um, but you, to your point, you could play. You could go back a year earlier in the draft, so we could do this first. In 2018, the Giants took Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. Um, mm-hmm. If they were even two years early on Eli's actual retirement. They could have drafted another quarterback like a lot of people thought they would. A lot of people thought they were going to take Sam Donald with that pick, but they passed on him in favor of Saquon, which to this point hasn't really worked out for them. I mean, why would you take a running back at number two? Like, I remember making fun of the Giants for doing that at the time. feel pretty good about that. Still bad. I mean, would Sam Donald have been much better if we're just assuming, you know, his career plays out similarly as it did the Jets, which might not be crazy to say. Um you know, not great. I don't think even even despite being with Adam Gase, it's not like we actually saw Sam Darnold like flash a ton on his own. But I mean, the Giants could have taken, you know, especially now with the benefit of hindsight, instead of a running back, they could have taken Josh Allen, who, you know, turned out to be pretty good, especially in RJ's eyes, or Lamar Jackson. So, you know, what if they take one of those two guys instead of Saquon? Um, That's interesting because, I mean, they... I don't know that they're great. Lamar obviously was incredible his first, you know, season as as the full-time starter. Uh, but neither he nor Allen were like incredible their rookie seasons, right? So if if we play that out, like maybe they're fine in 2018. There's some sort of learning curve associated there, whether it's Lamar. I don't think, I think you agree with this, that the Giants tailor the Giants offense as much to Lamar as Baltimore has, which maybe it was, inhibits it was him. Pat Shermer. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's not. Yeah. no way. Uh, but maybe jo- maybe maybe he still finds success. Maybe Josh Allen does, uh, but probably not until 2019. Um, but just because that was the natural kind of growth for them in, in terms of NFL quarterbacks. Even then, Josh Allen's natural growth took a little bit longer. Um, I don't know that the Giants are as patient with Josh Allen as the Bills have been, and mm. I, because so much of what I like about Josh Allen in in real life is 
what is around him. And the Bills have done a great job of enforcing that, right? Like last year, trade for Stefan Diggs. Go get Cole Beasley. This year, bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Like all these receivers who are great at creating separation for him because that obviously helps him out. I don't think the Giants do that for either of them. Like I think I think in this hypothetical, either of their careers are negatively impacted by being drafted by the Giants, which maybe leads to the point that Daniel Jones could be much better somewhere else. So if the Giants took Josh Allen, in 2018, the number two overall pick. They who is Josh Allen made a Pro Bowl? I think so, right? This past year, yeah. Okay, but then the next year, with their sixth overall pick, instead of taking Daniel Jones, they could have taken Josh Allen again. RJ, they could have taken Josh Allen from Kentucky, who the Jaguars took, and is also a Pro Bowler. So they could have had two Josh Allens in back to back years as Pro Bowlers. And look, the Giants need Ed Rush help really badly, like still to this day. Like that's something that they haven't had, I feel like, since Michael Strahan or like uh, OC, maybe. Like it's right. been a while since the Giants have had a good pass rusher. So maybe they have Josh Allen, the quarterback, and Josh Allen, the pass rusher on the same team. So if we look, though, specifically uh, at the 2019 NFL draft, to your point, the Giants obviously took. Um, uh, obviously took Daniel Jones, which, you know, is what it is. But they had two first-round picks that year. Can you name the other one off the top of your head? Uh, Daniel Jones and then uh, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. They had three uh, first-round picks. Yes. Dexter Lawrence um, and uh, <laughs> safety. You're um, close. You're really close. Oh, DeAndre Baker. That's right. Uh, yeah. So um, if their top needs – are defensive tackle and corner right and if they don't if they aren't taking daniel jones at six maybe they take ed oliver yeah right like that's so you could play that out that like obviously you would rather have josh allen and ed oliver than daniel jones and saquon barkley um but yeah that's that's really interesting but like to to go back to what i kind of started to say this with is if they in 2019 move on from eli Right. Like that, that was part of the problem, too, that made the Daniel Jones thing so awkward was like that Eli was still hanging around like that. Yeah. That weighed and still weighs on that franchise. Like you, we could play the what if game with their draft picks all we want. But like that particular decision to, to hold on to Eli, to cling on to him has really, really slowed down any growth that they could potentially have. Another kind of if we're looking at big picture, like takeaways from this, what ifs, you know, because the what ifs are fun, but like maybe kind of meaningless on its own because they didn't happen. I'm sure a lot of people will say that in the comments. I've seen that before. RJ and some of your what if articles are like, uh, what, what, how does this matter? It didn't happen. Yeah, well, like, yeah, who point, cares? What if, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts? Yeah, totally. Going beyond that and thinking about like the lessons that we can learn. Uh, out of this it's like going back to a year too soon kind of it's good to move on like this is the damage that you can do and something i feel like i kind of think about a lot for the SB Nation nfl show cheap plug where like if you're holding on to a bad quarterback like that's so damaging you're basically like being held hostage like the giants were for eli manning for so long and with carson wentz it wasn't so long but like i was so afraid the eagles were going to go down that path of being like we can fix him it's just going to take time well like no, don't do that because I feel like you're just throwing seasons away at that point. I would rather move on and almost regret it and move on to something new and, you know, like have a better plan. I, I, my point here is sticking with something and hope it gets better is not a real plan. It's not. I remember I had it. I tweeted this several times as the 2019 Cowboys season ended. There could have been Lincoln Riley's inaugural flight with the Cowboys, whatever. Um, but it, when when the I don't know if you remember this, the Thursday after Thanksgiving that year, the Cowboys got blown out by Buffalo on Thanksgiving and they went to Chicago um, the Thursday night after. And Mitchell Trubisky ran all over them. And actually, after that game, um, NFL Network Exchange Slater reported that Urban Meyer was she threw his name out as a possible name. Mm. It was a that was a wild night. Uh, Jalen Smith celebrated when a bear was hurt on the field. It was really, really, really bad. I remember that. Uh, but uh, like that that night, I remember having this tweet. Although I tweeted it a few times, like cheap cheap tweet myself. Um, I, I listed all these players, and like you can you know mock and poke. I'm an Eagles fan camp, but like Tony Romo, Jason Witten, Demarcus Ware, Des Bryant. Dan Bailey, uh, Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, like all these really, really, really good players. Like, again, debate however good you think they are, but really good players just wasted, just wasted by Jason Garrett. Like you just wasted all like maybe there's like maybe there's maybe like five potential ring of honor guys there, you know, and you just you just threw them away like you just threw that time away. 
because you held on to something for too long. And Jason Garrett, like, think about how many things the Giants have thrown away, like, in holding on to Eli Manning. And to that point, you know, good for, you know, the Eagles moving on from Carson Wentz sooner rather than later, although it did feel like it took a long time. Comparatively, I mean, it's not that long. Not that long and uh, really sad for all those Cowboys players that they, the organization decided to waste their the rest of their careers with Mike McCarthy. And so I, uh, it's, you just have to pour one out. Um, but to that point, the overall point that you brought up, that it's it's great to get out sooner rather than later. It's in I think the spirit of that point is it's great to realize the reality sooner rather than later. Like that might not necessarily yes. be moving on. But uh, like a what if we've talked about before, too, and we, we went deep with this one a few weeks ago, is what if Washington had recognized that they should have, you know, not won the NFC East last year, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we play we did the math, like maybe they have Justin Fields on their team, you know, right now. And that's a more like maybe you're not like fine, like maybe Washington wins the division this year. They're not winning the Super Bowl. We both agree. Like your your path to the Super Bowl is faster right now with Justin Fields on your team not having come off a division title than it is with Ryan Fitzpatrick having come off of one of the NFC East. Well, you could have had the best of both worlds. So, you know, you could still sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and he could be sure. the guy to start the season. And if you're looking really competitive and good, you just keep him in there and you keep Justin Fields on the bench. And then you, you know, delay that. But at least you have that backup plan, like to feel good about, especially as a fan. Like, cause that's the thing, you know, with Washington and why we talk about like winning the NFC East was flawed. Um, although our good friend, you know, Brian Stabby didn't totally agree. It's like, you know, okay. Like, even if they win the East this year, like, how great can you really feel about that when you know deep down, like, we're not winning a championship probably with Ryan Fitzpatrick and he might not even be back next year. So like, what is all, what is all this like building to, what is this for? Is, is it about just having a good season? And there's some value in that, especially when you're Washington and you're like viewed as a joke and you don't always have good seasons. So it's not like worthless, but it's just not like super meaningful in the long run. It's just like, okay, this is meaningful for this season, but not beyond that. Um, RJ, I did want to talk a little bit about Washington and how, and what the NFCs looks like like from their perspective, if Alex Smith doesn't get hurt, because like, I just think it's interesting to look at where they were back when he had that injury. I mean, they're six and three heading into that game against Houston where Alex Smith actually does get hurt. I mean, they might be able to win that game They they lose. I think they get on a last second field goal, a uh, three point loss. I mean, they could go to seven and three with the final following games at Cowboys at Eagles versus Giants at Jags at Titans and then finishing off the season in week 17 versus the Eagles. So they went one and five in that stretch. They beat the Jags who you talked about earlier. I mean, like I feel like they at least go three and three in those six games instead of one and five. And all of a sudden that's like a 10 win team, maybe even better. And I'm pretty sure they win the division. If Alex Smith stays healthy, like the Cowboys and Eagles were four and five at that time when Washington was six and three. I, I just think that's really interesting to think about. Well, so if we if we borrow from the Cowboys hypothetical and we say that they lose that first Cowboys game, just just yeah. like and I think, but that works out better for Washington because, if, like we said, if if the Cowboys win that game, they don't trade for Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? Like, and that was the big re- the part of the big. He had over two hundred yards. You know when they played on Thanksgiving. Oh no, sorry, that was the following. But still, he had a huge game. I mean, he had that walk off touchdown. But um, but my point is like say they lose that game to Dallas, right? So that uh, even if they lost that game, they would have dropped to three and three. So they would have beat New York. They would have gotten to four and three. And then, you know, they they still lost to Atlanta. So fine, call that four and four. And then they beat Tampa. But you're right. Like if they, if they beat Houston, which is not difficult to imagine at this point mm-hmm. in time, I mean, they probably beat Dallas because at that point we're talking about like, oh, the Dallas team is imploding, you know, because they didn't trade for Mario. So like they still end up one and one against the Cowboys that season. Um, I mean, yes, they lost to Philly, although perhaps that loss is more embarrassing if Frank Reich and Nick Foles are working together. I don't think they get swept by the Eagles. I don't think that happens. Um, So, yeah, I mean, sure. I I think they probably win the division um, themselves. And I think what's interesting is they – Obviously, Dallas won the division, so they end up hosting Seattle in the wild card round. Um, they probably lose that game. I don't have as much confidence in them in that game. But so maybe Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are viewed differently, like with one more playoff win. Who knows? But I think the fascinating part, the most fascinating part is, I mean, Jay Gruden probably is not yeah. moved on from as quickly the following season if he's coming off a division title. Yeah, I think he at least gets to see that year out and then 
I mean, he, he might still be around because he's not playing Dwayne Haskins instead, who stinks and is terrible and who he didn't even want, presumably. Like, yeah, I think that makes a big difference. Um, I also looking at, like, I, I think well, hang Washington on. To, went, to, to cut you off ahead. really quickly, BLG, because if, so we're assuming Alex Smith is competent. He's obviously healthy, you know, certainly not the shell of him, not, not shell of himself, but he's not as weakened as he was this past year. He's like a fully viable Alex Smith, which at that point was, um, you know, a lot to work with. Washington had the 15th overall pick that year. But if we if we were to say that they win the division, right, like let's just mm-hmm. let's let's put it that way. Uh, Dallas's pick was 27th, although they did win a playoff game. Let's call it 19th, right, like a standard kind of wild card loss team. Um, Jeffrey Simmons went that year to Tennessee with the 19th overall pick. So oh, at man. this at this point, though, um, Washington does not need a quarterback. So who knows where Dwayne Haskins is right now in the NFL, by the way. But the, these were the next you know, five to six picks uh, from that point. Tennessee takes Jeffrey Simmons at 19. Denver took Noah Fant. Green Bay took Darnell Savage. Uh, the Eagles took... You recall sniping the Houston Texans to take Andre Dillard. Uh, the Texans took Titus Howard. Oakland took Josh Jacobs. Mm. Um, Baltimore took Hollywood Brown. And then at 26, Washington took Montez Sweat. So they could still walk away with Sweat and somebody else to like further. Like that defense could have gotten better faster. You know what I mean? Like and still had Alex Smith is my point. Yeah, and I also think Washington winning just helps the Eagles and Cowboys kind of move on maybe faster than mm. they did from coaches or GMs or quarterbacks or whatever. Because I think the Eagles winning, like, I'm so frustrated by what the Eagles did that season, the way it gets, like, characterized, because everyone just talks about, oh, they made the playoffs that year. Yeah, yes, Carson, they- Carson saved them at the end, totally. Yeah. No, I'm talking about even just 2018, like when Foles came oh, you're in right, and you're everything. Right. Because, um, like, they made the playoffs, RJ, by, like, the skin of their teeth. They were a sixth seed, first of all. And they won. I mean, they made they clinched because they beat Washington, who was down to, like, Josh Johnson at quarterback, which, you know, not great. And the Bears, who had nothing to play for, somehow beat the Vikings, who had a playoff spot to play for. And Kirk Cousins choked. Of course he did, because that's what he always does. Like, it's, it's insane that the Eagles even made the playoffs that year. And, it and, gets it, and about, they won a playoff game like because the and, of the double doink. And yeah, and won a playoff game in like very like not the most deserved fashion because like how many kickers make that field goal? I think it was like a 30-something yard field goal, like a pretty like makeable field goal. And it goes off of not only one upright, but two, like, it, like or whatever it was, like it doinks twice. Um, like it could have it could have doinked off of one and still went in. Like that happens. So pretty crazy how that gets talked about. Yeah, so uh, and if that doesn't happen again, Doug Peterson probably not around. Um, he's he's gone sooner. If we're going with the hypothetical and everything, I, I don't even know how that works in. But the the point is, like, if Washington, if Alex Smith doesn't get hurt, maybe it's actually better for like the Cowboys and the Eagles over the long term. Wow, look at that! The lesson again, NFL teams. Howie Roseman, longtime mixtape listener, get to the realization faster. Just admit it. Just be honest with yourself. Honesty is the best policy. Nobody's ever said that before, BLG. You know what I mean? Like, why can't teams be honest? So in that sense, quickly to wrap up here, what is one thing? We didn't prep for this, and I just thought about it. One thing that Mm -hmm. each NFC East team has to be honest with themselves about to, you know, expedite the painful results that are sure to follow. Uh, I'm going to say Daniel Jones, like, be honest. Is he franchise quarterback or not? And I and would I, lean towards no. And I would say, Washington, be honest that you don't have a franchise quarterback. So quit, yes. quit lying to yourself that this is going to, like I've said before, Ryan Fitzpatrick will have some cute moments in 2021. But, like, this idea that he's going to lead you to seriously competing this year is incredibly flawed. And I, I think the bar for Daniel Jones is, like, if he is any, it's almost similar to Jalen Hurts. If he is anything less than, like, fully convincing, then you move on. It's not like, oh, he sold some signs. You have to give him another. No, like if it, it's, it's pass or fail. And if he fails, then he, like he can't be the guy. Um, and they have to pivot to Russell Wilson or whoever. So to before we get to Philly and Dallas, like I just saw this tweet right now while we're recording from Chicago Sports Updates. Apparently, uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, told Chris Collinsworth that there's no possible scenario that Justin Fields is the starting quarterback week one. His quote, Andy Dalton is our starter. Justin is our number two, and we are going to stick with this plan. You just got to trust the plan. Stupid. This is stupid. Like, you're just wasting time. You're just delaying the inevitable. Like, how do people not – how have people not gotten this lesson? This is literally the, like, thing we have learned. Do not delay the inevitable. 
number one, RJ, they haven't listened to this podcast yet. We haven't gotten <laughs> it to Matt Nagy, so we'll work on that. And number two, um, you, tweets are binding. Like if you tweet out Andy Dalton QB one, I mean, then you just you can't go against that. So True. sorry. Um, okay, so uh, things that uh, Philly, I'll, I think we should do each other's, and and, sure. and mine cannot be Jalen Hurts related, and yours oh. cannot be Mike McCarthy related, because those well, are the that's lowest the answer though. No, but those are those are the lowest hanging fruit. There, there are other things that need to be you know addressed and need need a level of bluntness and honesty. And so to that point, for me, for the Eagles, it would be this Zach Ertz situation. Like hmm. like th- this is. And this is not the same as – I don't mean this the way it would be true for most other cases. This is a cancer to your team, and that has nothing to do with Zach Ertz. But, but like, this situation is connecting you to the days of dysfunction because it's it's linked you, – you can't move on until you move on. You know what I mean? Like, this is – like, Zach Ertz is awesome and has been a great player for you. I mean, I don't know that he's awesome, like, on the field now, but, like, he's a great – person great locker room presence you know great philadelphian philadelphiaite is it philadelphian whatever philadelphian. Uh, <laughs> but like you have to move on it is for your good it isn't even about setting him free or letting him go somewhere where he can compete for a title or another title it's about you have to disconnect yourself from the past and jason kelsey isn't quite there but he will be too you can't hold on to the glory days forever that's my thing that the eagles need to be honest with themselves about I agree with that, and I think the Eagles do want to move on from Zach Hertz. By the way, like at least and do on his contract. Well, they well, you know, they're trying. Howie Roseman's also stubborn, and he wants to get value, and he doesn't. So want be to honest, Howie. Be honest. I agree. You're you're right. You should be honest, and probably just let him go or trade him for you know like a conditional six or whatever you can get for him. Basically. Yeah, um, you have to do it. Okay, your Cowboys thing. My Cowboys thing would have been Mike McCarthy, and they have to be honest with themselves about him and realize it's just not going to work out. Or, you know, if he has a good year this year, then fine. But, like, they can't, like, go into next year thinking, like, well, we just need to give another year, whatever. You think um, cannot be Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I know. Well, it's not. Since, I, since I'm since i not allowed to say that, and I didn't, for the record, uh, I was going to say it kind of relates to defense and offensive line, which is something I've already talked about when it was coming up, like, with the draft. I, I didn't want to see the Cowboys draft an offensive lineman because that would concern me to most. The Cowboys can't lie to themselves and be like, mm. we have to get to the defense right. The defense – will work out eventually. I feel like just because of just, you know, with enough care, without having to spend all the resources into it. I think it's so weird how the Cowboys have like acted like Dan Quinn is this defensive genius and have like given him like all these tools to work with in the draft and are like specifically drafting players, like seemingly kind of reaching for players. Sure. Uh, just just because like they fit his system like that's not what you need to be doing you need to fix your offensive line and make sure you have this elite offense now especially because you're not going to be able to keep it forever Zeke is not going to last forever he has mm-hmm. so many touches on him the wide receivers you're not going to be able to keep all of them so I feel like the Cowboys kind of have to be honest with themselves and keep building around the offense and not just thinking like we have enough this was a great therapy session of the NSC's mixtape, you know, like we had, we had to, you know, open some, some scars. You know what I mean? Like uh shout out to, uh, is it Papa Roach? Tear my heart open. I sold myself short because the weakness says um, that I care too much. Right. And my, my scars are the pieces. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, whatever. Uh, but we, there's healing involved here. Nature is healing. As a lot of people are saying these days, BLG. Uh, any last thoughts, comments, questions, limericks, concerns, data points for you? I uh, just once again just wanted to give a shout out to the all NFC East <laughs> SB Nation site, Bleeding Green Nation and PGN Radio, the podcast. Uh, I mean, look, you know, you didn't dispute it, RJ, earlier, which I respect. Um, number one in traffic, number one in podcasting since 2013. The dominance is there. We're a dynasty, really, if you want to think about it that way. I wouldn't yeah. use that word. But some some have said that word. Um, so yeah, big shout out to BGN. But hey, look, welcome the boys. Also, it's right up there with it. They're Blogging the boys keeps us honest. You know, you guys push us to be even better. So obviously, and honestly, look, all the NFC's blogs do really well. You know, big shout out to Big Dream Review, Hogshaven. We're if we're going by division, if we're oh, just like, it's not even the, close. Yeah, it's not even a competition. I don't even yeah. know who number two is. Like maybe the NFC West blogs, maybe because the Niners Nation and field goals, I guess. Um, and I don't and know, Revenge man. Revenge of the Birds, but Num- number two might be the NFC North. You know, the folks at Windy City Gridiron, Acme Packing Company is on the rise. You know, Daily Norseman, Pride of Detroit is great. They're, they're, Pride of Detroit leads the way on Twitch. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I, maybe the NFC North is number two. 
AFC West is formidable too, though, with you know AP, obviously. And then Mile High Report is usually up there. Um, Silver and Black Pride is pretty respectable too. Chartered Site is smaller. You know, it's, it's a smaller uh, fan base, I think, in general. And, and in fairness, because they've been spurned and they shouldn't be in LA and right. they still should be in San Diego and everything. But anyway, that's off topic. Uh, shout out BGN and uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how you found the podcast. That's what we want to see in your reviews if you leave a rating and review as you should. Uh, well, BLG tied a bow on it for all of us. Um, all 17 people associated with the NSC's mixtape. Uh, we have many people working behind the scenes. Uh, somebody has to bring in BLG's bottled water. Somebody has to bring in his snacks. Somebody has to hold up his computer while he does the whole thing. Uh, somebody has to shine and gloss his microphone. Uh, BLG is a superstar. We treat him that way. He is the same height as LeBron James and better basketball than uh, than the self-anointed king. So uh, it is True. what it is. Uh, everybody, uh, have yourselves a great week. We'll see you next week on the NSC East mixtape. We love you all. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.